This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. See you in the house of the Lord. If you're a guest, I welcome you. If you're regular, you're welcome too. All you watching by live stream, glad you're here. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand in real high and our ushers would get you the Word of God. And then once you get a Bible, go with me the book of Hebrews chapter 2. We'll go to Hebrews 2 and then to Hebrews 10, just to give you a little idea where we're going to start with. We are now, I don't know, a month plus into our series here on the fear of the Lord, so we'll allow the Bible again to define another area of the fear of the Lord that will begin to help us. Just a little bit of a uh, rewind from last week. In the, the book of Judges and then early into 1 Samuel, you begin to see that it was a very chaotic period. One of the great reasons it was very chaotic, it says there in 1 Samuel 3, that the Word of God was rare in those days. We, we must stay with the Word of God, and I highlight that again, must. And we begin here in T- Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, and it will reemphasize this. Hebrews 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must, we must, we must what? Give the more earnest heed... All the more careful attention to what? The things that we have heard. It is crucial, crucial that I stay engaged in the Word of God. I remain attentive to the Word of God. I I must have a firm grip on the Word of God. Why? Lest we drift away. We drift away from what has been spoken. Now, if you'll think just a little bit about the word drift. Drift is, is just real subtle. It's real casual. It just, you start, it's kind of like getting on a lazy river. You know, you go down one of those water slides that's straight down. That's, that's not a drift. That's a shock. But when you get on that lazy river, you just begin to drift a little bit. Look, I have a good pastor friend who was in the ocean once and he was snorkeling. And he wasn't paying much attention, and he said, before long, I came up and I realized I am way offshore. If I would have realized I would have drifted that far out, he said, I probably wouldn't have gone. And he actually was so bad, he said, Lord, if this is how I'm going to end my life, then please be with me. It was that bad. He didn't die. Kind of a different story. But the purpose is the drift is casual. We really don't realize it before long. Now, in saying this right here, immediately here in Hebrews 2, have I drifted? Have you drifted from the Word of God? Not not a hard thing to do or He wouldn't have warned us. Verse 2, For the word spoken through angels, which was the law of Moses or the Mosaic law, proved steadfast. The word of God way back was steadfast. It's still, it's valid. The word of God is authentic. The word of God is proved. It's sure. The word of God is unalterable. In other words, God doesn't need our help. Actually, he says in the Bible, don't add to it or take away from it. 
So the word of God is steadfast. And I believe this as human beings, when we get over and we make the statement that the word of God is no longer valid, you have crossed into an area immediately called error. The word of God is still, is still accurate, still good. For the word of God spoken through angels proved steadfast. And every transgression and every disobedience, every form of rebellion, now look what he says, will receive a just reward. There will be a retribution for the penalty. Now, what he's telling us here is I can drift from the Word of God. I can get away from the Word of God, but understand this, because of my choices to drift away from the Word of God, there will be retribution. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And so I must look at this, and I get back to what he said. We must pay the careful heed. You got to pay attention to it. So how are you doing? How am I doing? I, I, I highlight this, the word drift, because you know what it tells me? It's not too late to come back. It's not too late to start looking at the word of God and trusting it. I believe this is just warnings right here. Turn just a few pages to Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and let's begin here. Verse 37. For yet a little while, soon and very soon, and he who is coming will come and not tarry. He won't delay. Now, it's given us warning that the Lord Jesus is going to come back. And many times, depending on your age, you may have heard this since you were a little guy. Jesus is coming back soon. Well, he still hadn't come back. But that doesn't mean he's not coming back. He's going to come back. And when he comes back, it's going to happen rapidly. So he's given us warning here. Don't, don't blow this off is what he's saying. Now, the just shall live by faith. My faith is based off the Word of God. I will live by faith, my trust in the Lord Jesus. But if anyone draws back, anyone cuts and runs, so off the phrase, if anyone draws back, you got to think about this. For me or you to draw back, that means that at one time in my life, I had to have started. I can't draw back unless I've started so who do you think he's addressing this to? If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Interesting. Verse 39. But we are not those who draw back to perdition. The word perdition means destruction. I don't draw back to the old way of life. Now, do you think, and, and most believe this is the Apostle Paul who wrote here in Hebrews, do you think he, this was a warning and telling us this can happen? And it starts with just a little bit of a drift. 
And it starts with just a little bit of a compromise. And it starts with just a little bit of diluting the word of God. But ultimately, it ends to a place called destruction. And he ends and says, But of those who believe to the saving of the soul, hold tightly to the things of God. Hold tightly to the Lord. Now, I want you to go back into the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And as we get going here in Deuteronomy 6, the, the Bible is going to give us another definition of the fear of God. And what you'll see here, it's, it's very clearly what the Lord is pointing to here. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Now, this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and the judgment which the Lord your God has commanded, first of all, to teach you. Now, this was the instructions to Moses. This is where this is beginning at. And if you'll note, he said the first thing, the statutes and the commandments to teach you. But he doesn't stop there. That you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. So he said, you're to teach them, but you're also to obey them. Now this is just not an Old Testament saying here. This is found also in the New Testament. Actually, it's in Matthew 5, in the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, 19, it'll talk about the same thing. So he gets over real quick and he says, you've got you've to learn them, you've got to teach them, and you must obey them. Why? Why is this so important? Look at verse 2. That you may fear the Lord your God. That you may fear the Lord God. That you may reverence the Lord God. Now, what you're getting ready to see here is the highest form of worship is obedience. He says that you may fear God. Why? Ooh, watch this. To keep all his statutes and his commandments. So the definition here of the fear of God is when I fear the, the, the things of God, I have a desire to obey God, to keep the things of God. Now, God doesn't tell us to do this, to be ugly to us, to be a mean God. How many of you find out the more you live by the word of God, the better your life is? If it wasn't that way, you probably wouldn't be here. I thank God for the word of God. So, what would happen if we'd say, Father God, grace us with the desire to fear you. Grace me with, a, with an appetite. I want to keep your word. I want to do your word. Now, I want you to see biblically, when we fear God and we keep God's word, how this is generational. Keep reading. And I command you, you and your son and your grandson, do you know what you teach and what you model impacts the generations behind you? And so I think, man, what would happen? What would happen if we begin to Live the word of God. 
See, there's a difference between my character. Really, my character is who my family knows I am. And I think a lot of times we get away from our character. We have the thought it's who people say we are, but it's not. It's how well my family knows me, the things that I do. So he gets over and he talks about my, my life, my grandson, and my great-grandsons. How long? All the days of your life that your days may be prolonged. This is how it keeps me from drifting. Therefore, hear, O Israel, be careful to observe it. Why? That it may be well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God your fathers has promised, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse number four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. You know, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 6, many believe is the most important passage in the entire Old Testament. But just to break it down for you, there is only one God. There is only one creator, and his name is Yahweh. His name is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His name is the great Jehovah. There's not more than one God. There's not only one creator. There's only one Lord and Savior. That's Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, the life, the only way the Father is through me. Amen. This may tick people off, but oh well. It's the truth. There is one Holy Spirit, only one. There is one Word of God, and it's called the B-I-B-L-E. And something happens when I live with that in my heart. And you could be debated on that right now. There's a lot of ways to God, not according to my Bible, okay? So this is what begins to happen right here off the Word of God. So off of this passage, what are you teaching? What are you modeling? What are you doing to impact the next generations? Now turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 4. Just a little bit there to your right. And we were here last week. We were in 1 Samuel 2 and 1 Samuel 3. We're going to 1 Samuel 4. And let me rewind you just a little bit. We know in 1 Samuel 3 the word was rare. We know in 1 Samuel 3, verse 13, the prophet Samuel, he said to Eli, the priest, he said, God is going to judge you for the iniquities of your sons. God's going to judge you for the prolonged sins of your sons and because you wouldn't restrain them. You wouldn't rebuke them. You wouldn't correct them. You wouldn't sit them down. And so the reason you're in the predicament you're in is because you chose not to uh, obey God. So I can look at Eli's life and his sons and I think, did they begin to drift? They had to. But not only did they drift, Samuel probably, you're going to be met with judgment. There's going to be retribution. So we pick up here in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse number 1. 
And it says, Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined the battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men in the army in the field. Now, when you read this, they didn't just get, they just didn't lose. This is an old-fashioned rear whipping is what this is. I mean, they, they get thumped. And they're perplexed. Almost like this isn't supposed to happen to God's children. Verse number three. And so the people had come into the camp and the elders of Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Why has the Lord defeated us before the Philistines? So they attribute this major defeat to God's unwillingness to help them. They blame God. And the word blame means that you hold somebody else responsible for your fault. It's your fault, God. How many in here right now? Don't raise your hand. But you're blaming God for something. James 1.17 says all that's good and perfect comes from above. John 10.10 says the thief, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you know what John 10.10 is? That's the devil's mission statement. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But in this situation... When life doesn't go the way they want it to, they blame God. Why do, good, why, why do bad things happen to good people? You say, Pastor, that's my motto. The reason this happened to the Israelites is because of two things. Number one, their sin and number two, their ignorance. Ow. My people perish for lack of knowledge. They were ignorant pertaining to the things of God. And oftentimes, if we don't blame God just right out, it's your fault, God, we have this thought. Then why did God allow it to happen? Because of your sin and your ignorance. And best, that hurts. Keep reading. Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant. Now, what was the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant was symbolic of the Lord's presence and the Lord's glory. So they said, let's get the Ark of the Covenant. And from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it must save us from the hand of our enemies. Now, if you'll catch in there that he says twice, it. Let's bring it. God's not an it. So they look at the Ark of the Covenant 
almost like a magic charm. In other words, we can live however we want, but when all hell breaks loose in my life and I call 911, God, you show up. Almost like God is a light switch that I can turn God on and I can turn God off whenever I want. And I see this. I don't like God's word. I don't like Christians. But when their life starts going down the tube, you know what they quote or post on social media? Would everybody please pray? This borderlines the Ark of the Covenant almost like an idol. So again, the thought is, I can live however I want. And God, you got to show up when I snap my fingers. Ow. Have we ever done that? But when I read this, I don't find one time in here where they repent. I don't find one time here where they said, Father God, we blew it. Do you know we sang that song a minute ago? And in there it had the lyric, I'm far from innocent. I'm far from innocent. But one of the ways I believe the fear of the Lord is revealed is by the way I repent. And when I talk about repent, the word repent is not only a confession, but the word repent means to do a 180. It literally means to say, I don't want to do this anymore, Lord. But I don't ever find that with them. But it's easy to look at them and say, I never find that. But what about me? What about you? So they said, we just got to get the Ark of the Covenant. Verse 4. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. So they go get the Ark of the Covenant. They think that's the answer. And they come marching in. And guess who's leading the parade? Harry and Lloyd. That's from the movie Dumb and Dumber for some of you, okay? I, I don't know that I should have said that, but it's... Why do I say that? The people looked to them as the leadership, but these were the same two that the Bible had told us last week that they were thieving from the house of God and they were sleeping with the women in the tabernacle. Now, this ought to give you great hope to think, whoa, look who's leading the charge. These are spiritual giants. But I look and I think, is this how many people will become deceived? That we think that just because someone has a title of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, that they got to be right? That's not true. 
And so when you look at what's going on here, they put all their hope in these two. Put your hope in God. Trust in God. Stay with the word of God. You know, if I ever quit, quit preaching the Bible, you need to do two things. Number one, you need to fire me. And number two, you need to go to another church. Only the truth sets people free. If we give you anything other than the word of God, we're not doing you any good, okay? And I do know sometimes the word of God is annoyingly accurate. I'm like, oh, Jesus, you set the bar high. Why? Because he loves us. So now i got to paraphrase real quick. We go back to Samuel's prophecy. You know what happens in one day? Finus and Hophni both die. The Ark of the Covenant is captured, and Eli dies. The prophecy was fulfilled. Though it seems like he may delay, though it seems like he may tarry, he's going to show up. Same chapter, verse 19. Now his daughter-in-law, Finus' wife, was with child due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband was dead, she bowed herself and gave birth for her labor pains came upon her. I read that fast, but the reason I read it fast, this is the triple tragedy right here. The ark's gone, the father-in-law's gone, and her husband's gone. She dies giving birth. Verse 20. And about that time of her death, the women who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you've born a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. She didn't pay any attention to it. Verse 21. Then she named the child Ichabod. Don't name a kid Ichabod, okay? Don't do that. What does Ichabod mean? The glory has departed from Israel. The presence of God are no longer on Israel. The glory is gone. If you remember the man of God, Moses, he said to God, he said, if your glory and your presence don't go with me, I don't go. And I wonder how many times in our life we've drifted so far from the things of God, we don't even realize his glory and his presence aren't there. So he said, the glory's departed. Because the ark of God had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. So it mentions the triple tragedy again. And I believe when it rep it's repetitious here, it's like, you got to get this. They're gone. But it changes a little bit in verse 22. And she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. The glory has departed. But if it's departed, is there still a way it can be imparted? There can. And it takes people that repent and say, Father God, I can't live without your glory. I, I gotta have your prayer. I gotta have you, Father God. But when you look in verse 22, it doesn't mention Eli or Finus again. You know why? They're gone. They're gone. It's over. Their eternal destination done. 
See, this is why this is so important. Those two are gone. But when the glory comes back, the next generations will be touched by God in his presence. And I believe this is what begins to happen. Turn with me into the New Testament to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. So here's what I believe is, is taking place within our society right now. That when we drift from the word of God and we get away from obeying God. The Bible says in, in Romans 1 that God turns them over. Better stated, God takes a step back. He turns them over to the appetites of their flesh. 1 John 2, 15 and 16, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. So God backs up and you know what he says? You guys are so smart. You have everything figured out. Have at it. Have at it. The reason I say that is because it's very similar with us than it was in Eli's time because sin and disobedience wasn't met with immediate judgment. If it was, those two would have been french fries. They would have been on the Wendy's commercials. That's the same with us. So God said, God is slow to anger. Thank God he's patient with us. But when we do not want to live by the word of God, we do not want to obey him, then he takes a step back and says, have at it. You're so smart. Matthew 7, verse 21. You may put on a spiritual seatbelt here, okay? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But I know the password. I've confessed Jesus as Lord. Now, I'm not downplaying the confession of Jesus as Lord. Okay, I'm not downplaying that. I, I believe in Romans 10, 9, and 10. You'll believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. But... Note who said this. This is red letters. This is the Lord Jesus. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does or keeps the will of my Father in heaven. He who actually does my Father's will. He who persists in doing my Father's will. So there is a self-deception. This thing of a mere verbal profession of the Lordship without the, the obeying of the will of God, we become self-deluded. So when I read this, is the Lord Jesus telling me and you, I'm more concerned about your walk than your talk. I confess to be a Christian. I take on the form of Christian. 
I have 10 Bibles. I have a hundred podcasts about Jesus. I have a cross around my neck. I have a Jesus bumper sticker on my car. I welcome or I wear a freak out Jesus. I'm a Jesus freak on my t-shirt. I speak in Christianese. I take on the form of Christian, but the power is denied. The very power that would change my life. And here's the truth of the matter. In God I trust only when I lust for the apple of my eye. I want you, God, on my terms. And pastor. Verse 22. Many, many of my Bible is highlighted in yellow will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many mighty wonders in your name? But was it all about promoting your agenda? Was it all about you being famous? Was it all about me saying, Woo, looky, looky, looky. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And the big thing about what he says there is, who gets the glory? I don't believe God is against any of this because it's in the Bible to prophesy, to lay his on, but, but who gets the glory? Now watch how he ends this. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. You knew about me in theory, but I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you because you never had time to sit at my feet. Wow. I never knew you. This is startling to me when I read these. But I think about Eli's sons. We were the priest in name. I had a title. But I never knew you. Do you know in Revelations 3, you, you get to 14, verse 14. That's the church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church. And you get down in that passage to verse 20, and it said that Jesus knocks on the door. And anybody who opens the door, he wants to sit down and dine with you. He wants there to be a, a covenant relationship. But if I never sit down with him, I'll come into this thing. I never knew you. So I know sometimes this, this it isn't easy to hear. But I believe this is one of those fear of the Lord sermons here today. The teaching of the word of God that is designed to get my attention. Why don't you stand up here? Sure got quiet in this Presbyterian church. 
see if I've gotten caught up in this ungodly and immoral swirl within our society. Have I gotten to a place where I didn't even know God was gone? I don't sense his presence anymore. But I want to go back to the beginning. Have you drifted? Just, just close your eyes right there, and only you can answer that. Have I drifted? Have, have I drawn back to perdition? The good news today, it's not too late to come back. And we sang the song, God will leave the 99 for the one. The first service, we had three men that said, We've drifted. We've drifted. So right here, just in a real honoring way, just bow your head before the Lord. And if you're in here right now and you say, I don't know the Lord Jesus. If you're here today and you've drifted, if you're here today and you've had the thought, Wonder, does he know my name? See, I believe something happens when we just, we just gravitate toward God. Just in a loving way, where you're like, man, Father God, I, I need a touch of heaven today. I need you. If that's you here, I, I welcome you just, just to get out of your seat and make your way this way. And this isn't a thing to bow your head. This is a thing not a shame. This is a thing of saying, I'm going to get right with God today. I'm going to come back to the things of God. I, I don't like the drift I'm in. Woohoo. I can tell you, God loves you. Come on, keep coming. It's the goodness of God. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Just keep coming. Thank God I'm going to quit count. Can I tell you something today? I'm far from innocent. you guys could stand where I'm at because I sense the presence of God I sense God just real strong in here I'm, I'm just waiting I don't know that God's done I think he's still moving on hearts 
we go to overtime today? in a prayer I, I welcome you right there I, if you feel comfortable I'm forced, if you just just raise your hands to heaven again these are kind of like my antennas Father God I'm, I'm coming back on your frequency and so I ask you right there just with your hands raised and Open up our hearts, but you would say this after me, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of my sin. I'm a criminal. I'm far from innocent. But I thank you today that I give my heart back to you. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Grace me to get back on track and grace me to stay on track. I, I welcome today salvation into my heart. Lord Jesus, be Lord of my life. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And mark me as an overcomer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.